CITR is celebrating the 75th anniversary of UBC Radio Excellence, 30 years on the FM dial, and 30 years of Discorder Magazine. Your one and only CITR 101.9 FM is inviting all CITR alumni and friends to our alumni weekend this November 16th and 17th. On the 16th, we'll be kicking it live on location at Perch on 337 Hastings around 5 p.m. for some beers, cheers, and cooling with peers. The 17th, come to Thea's Lounge for some Give Us Your Love brunch at 11 a.m. Find out more about what's going down at the station and the progress we have made over the years. Shortly after, join us for tours of our beloved station and learn about our space in the new sub. Come to our birthday party on Saturday evening at Chapel Arts with CITR alumni Lisa Marr and Culture Shock performing, as well as Gang Signs, Fine Mist, Carolyn Mark, and Channels 3 and 4. Reminisce about the good old days bumping the shows of the past as we have dedicated this special weekend to hearing our alumni on the airwaves. So come and cool out with us on the freaking weekend and have you some fun. But don't forget to register for events. Visit citr.ca for more details. cities do we want to live in? How do we want our cities to be? Cannot be divorced from the question of what kind of people we want to be. What kind of humanity we wish to create amongst ourselves and how we want to create it. And it is that mutual constitution of the city and who we are and what we are that is something which is I think, again, very important to reflect upon. This is The City, an hour dedicated to a critical discussion of urban issues. And welcome to the program here on CITR 101.9 FM, CITR.ca, and syndicated on CJSF 90.1 FM, CJSF.ca, and available as a podcast at thecityfm.org. I'm Andy Longhurst, and on the show, we reflect on the closing of Granville Street's last movie theater, and that's the Granville 7. We discuss the current state of film in Vancouver with local critics, and... uh, as we recently mark a number of theaters uh, which have recently closed their doors in the city. This is The City, an hour dedicated to critical urban discussions. Stay with us. Time 
like tears. And that was Blade Runner, uh, the sequence from uh, the portion, if you're familiar with the film Blade Runner with Harrison Ford, uh, the Ridley Scott 1982 uh, sci-fi classic. And uh, I I encourage you to watch it because I certainly can't explain uh, and do it justice, but um, a portion when um, the sort of synthetic being is um, talking about the importance of life and living, and what it means to be dying, even though theoretically uh, this synthetic uh, being is not able to feel death and uh, feel those emotions. So for me, uh, this is also a film that I saw screened, uh, the final cut of Blade Runner at the Granville 7, which closed its doors on November 4th, and uh, certainly a loss uh, for moviegoers and uh, filmgoers in the city. So we're, we're spending the hour today talking about film, and we're going to hear from a number of people. I actually, right now, in studio, um, have uh, Megan Thomas, and she's a host and producer of The Arts Report here on CITR. And uh, Megan, I want to ask you first um, what this represents to you, and uh, certainly the Granville 7 is not the only theater recently. We can talk more about uh, the number of theaters that have announced um, that they will be shutting down or already have shut down. Um, but for you, um, what does this tell you? <laughs> Well, I think that it tells me that people aren't going out to movies as much as they used to. And there are so many factors, uh, individual finances and the other options that are available. 
And um, I mean, not to be too capitalistic about it, but it is uh, these are businesses that are going out of business because they can't fill the seats. And so it obviously speaks to a wider trend in how we're consuming cinema and art in general because the film festivals are still wildly popular and the cinematheques and the more curated archival functions of uh, houses like Pacific Cinematheque and Festival Cinemas and Fifth Avenue are still going fairly strong. So, I mean, I was talking to Amber Orchard just this morning about Pacific Cinematheque's 40 years and they're talking about expansion. Hmm. So that's a completely different business model and a completely different function. So while we think of an independent cinema as something um, more artistic and often has more options because it's independent, um, it's, you know, it's still trying to make money. It's still not sponsored by arts organizations. So people just aren't in the seats. Why is that? And for me, like, I think the the experience Mm -hmm. of a movie is, um, and going to the theater is, um, is enjoyable um, and I have to admit, I don't do it certainly as much as um, I'd like to. And every time I do go and see a good film um, or have the opportunity to go check out uh, something independent or, um, you know, a rare 35 millimeter print mm-hmm. at Pacific Cinematheque, it's always very enjoyable. But why why aren't people in those seats? Well, definitely when I choose to go to the theater, it's experiential. Either it's something that is maybe a huge blockbuster that I want the power of a huge cinema, or if it's a social event, or if it's a a film that I want to experience, you know, the Rocky Mm -hmm. horrors of the world and the the room, etc. And it's a social experience rather than a filmic experience. But I think that people, it's a combination of, cheap and free options illegal or legal options uh, combined with a lack of disposable income mm-hmm. um, and the parallel might be made to the music industry where in people's hearts they're not non-supporters emotionally of the music industry or the film industry as it were but rather don't or aren't willing to fork out the money for something they could do at home for cheap or free uh, especially if you're just just going to the movies and seeing what's out there mm-hmm. isn't the easy experience that it used to be, partly because of what is available to be seen. Um, so you say people don't have the disposable income. Do you think that, I mean, perhaps that's um, very distinctly uh, a Vancouver thing in some ways? Maybe not, but uh, I certainly know that I'm not going to go. I think the Scotiabank on mm-hmm. Burrard is now $14. It's only general admission tickets. They don't offer student rates or seniors rates, et cetera. Like, so, I mean, $14. For many people, that's more than an hour's wage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and for often, I mean, certainly the stuff they're showing there, um, it is the Hollywood stuff that is often very much available to stream for free online. So mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. I would imagine that's part of it. Well, I think I'd have to agree with the story to a certain degree that Dorothy Wooden told in the Taiyi, which was that for what they're playing in these theaters, it's this combination of they're able to draw a lot of people um, with kind of accessible, mindless, as she calls it, thin gruel. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the 
people who might support an independent cinema or care about them may not necessarily want to see those films. Um, where you have something like The Rio, where they have that combination of arts and mass entertainment, they've made it work after a really hard one fought with many changes to their business model. But I find that I'm not going to pay 14... I'm not going to watch most of the movies that are in that in say a Scotia Bank Playhouse or even at the at the Empire Gravel. Lots of those yeah. films I was not interested in in any way, shape, or form, mm. let alone the expense of going to see uh, that that's that piece in the cinema. Um, but I, it can't all be costs because there are still people well, that's packing ju- the yeah. larger theaters. That's just that you go to the suburbs and you have the megaplexes with you know. I don't know how many screens do they have now, you know, upwards of 12 to 15 screens. And now uh, one of the companies has launched uh, the VIP uh, Mm -hmm. idea of, I I was just reading about this and was sort of shocked that it's over 19. um, You can order food into the theater and you sort of have more, you know, uh, larger chairs and it's a smaller setup and you can recline and I, I guess they're trying to recreate the idea of the living room setting, but I'm not sure where that fits into this model. If they're just trying to pick up on something that um, they're seeing the Netflix effect, they're seeing. Well, I think yeah. they have the mass. So when yeah. you are a corporation, you have the ability to move, you know, take from one profit center at, to support another. You have the ability to run really popular movies on multiple screens for long periods of time and as I learned through the whole Rio uh, trials and tribulations that they came through um, that the the way that you have to purchase a a film and the way that you have to um, plan and decide whether you're going to run it and if it's a flop they can absorb those costs and they can um promote to large groups whereas an independent cinema i guess maybe doesn't have the resources to take those blows so i maybe they're not doing necessarily as well maybe the thing about the vip is not necessarily that they're doing so well that they're expanding but rather that they too have to come up with new ways to entice people to the theater so if you can't have a beer with your movie maybe they're losing those people to netflix so they're trying to get those back lastly uh, i know you have to run I was uh, in Portland, and every time I'm down there, I love to catch a film at a local uh, theater called the Laurelhurst on Burnside. And um, in Portland, they can serve liquor. It's 19 plus or 21 plus. Um, But the film was $4 Mm -hmm. uh, for a ticket. And then once you get in, you can choose to buy uh, beer, cider, popcorn, food, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was packed. Like, I mean, it's sort of, I mean, it was sort of a hip theater, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of um, in a a youngish neighborhood. But... Do you think something like that and a model like that could save, and for some theaters, which are being turned into condo developments... And churches. And churches. It's somewhat maybe too late, but do you think this business model could potentially save movie theaters in this city? Because they're dropping pretty quickly. Well, I think any cheap option for some entertainment and a beer is, <laughs> you know, we're desperate for it, and I think there's a lot of restaurants out there but just some casual place that's cheap where you can have a beer and enjoy your friends i mean any option that offers those things i think youth are especially youth of a a certain class structure and certain incomes are are definitely looking for that Uh, i think it's something that people need to start looking into and now with hopefully liquor laws reforming 
slightly. Maybe we're moving towards that. But uh, yeah, looking at the social and the experiential role of the film versus and the film house versus just as a place to consume, you know, the latest Apatow yeah. fair and, and really looking into what is the social function of a house. And I think that's to bring a bunch of people together to have a common experience um, and maybe fight some of that atomization that's happening. Megan Thomas, host and producer of The Arts Report here on COTR 101.9 FM, and you can catch The Arts Report Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Andy. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back. How much do you know about bikes? Everything? Perfect. Nothing at all? Even better. At the UBC Bike Kitchen, you can use our space and tools to do your own bike maintenance, get one-on-one instruction on how to fix your bike yourself, or drop your bike off for us to repair. You can also buy a fully refurbished, guaranteed used bicycle, or a variety of new and used parts and accessories. The Bike Kitchen is UBC's non-profit, student-owned, full-service bike shop. We're located in the basement of the Student Union Building. Just look for the stairwell on the north side of the sub across from Gage Towers or search for the UBC Bike Kitchen on Facebook. Stop by the Bike Kitchen and then get riding. Are you a current UBC grad student? If so, then listen up because the Graduate Student Society lets UBC grads book rooms and spaces in the newly renovated grad student building. Be sure to take advantage of what the facility has to offer. The rooms come equipped with sound systems and can host up to 300 people. Even better, as grad students, you don't have to pay booking fees. Not a grad? Don't worry. The Tia Corner House is open to the public, as in the Kerner Pub, opening earlier next year. For more information, contact booking manager Rob at bookings at gss.ubc.ca. And welcome back to the city here on CITR 101.9 FM, and that's CITR.ca, and also syndicated on CJSF 90.1 FM, CJSF.ca, and always available as a podcast at thecityfm.org. And as I mentioned, on November 4th, uh, the Granville 7 uh, Cinema on Granville Street in downtown Vancouver closed its doors and screened its final films, and uh, I was there uh, to catch a screening of the uh, the Dark Knight, and uh, certainly an enjoyable experience to see uh, the film uh, on the big screen and uh, take that in. And uh, we're going to have more commentary on that. I caught up with two local film critics about that. Uh, but first, I want to go to this is an article posted um, on the Strait, uh, Georgia Straits website uh, from January 6th, and they uh, it's titled Empire Oak Ridge Cinemas uh, Joins List of Metro Vancouver Movie Theater DVD Rental Closures. And this was before, obviously, the Empire Granville 7 on Granville Street announced its closure. Uh, but I'm just going to give you a bit of a sense of all of the closures related to film in the city. And uh, I quote the article. The screens at Empire Oak Ridge Cinemas have gone dark. The Oak Ridge Theater, owned by the Nova Scotia Bank Empire chain since 2005, closed Monday, January 2nd, uh, 2012. The closure will affect about 25 employees. Three Empire locations remain in Metro Vancouver, Empire Studio 12 Guilford in Surrey, Granville 7 Cinemas in downtown Vancouver, uh, and Esplanade 6 in North Vancouver. The only other British Columbia locations are two theaters in Victoria. 
This latest closure follows the shuttering of several local independent DVD rental stores, including Videomatica, Independent Flicks, Happy Bats, and Chains, uh, including Blockbuster, some Rogers video locations, and two movie theaters. Famous Players Richmond Center 6 Cinemas closed on March 27th. Uh, the Hollywood Theater on West Broadway shut down on May 29th after 75 years in operation. And as a side note, um, Megan mentioned that it's now operating as a church. And I continue to quote from the article, In other local movie theater news, over the past year, the Rio Theater was sold to Festival Cinemas, which runs the Park Ridge and Fifth Avenue Cinemas in May. Rio Theater manager Corin uh, Leah had been attempting to convert the theater into a multimedia concert venue, but provincial liquor laws prevent venues that show feature films from obtaining a liquor license. And as we know, that was a large, uh, significant and very political debate, uh, which has uh, been uh, to some extent resolved and, and the Rio has found a way to operate and sell liquor um, while not losing their film license. Uh, but this was just a bit of a, uh, this was dated January 6, 2012, again, from the Strait, the Georgia Strait. Um, just to give you a sense of how many uh, local film stores, video stores, as well as theaters have closed. As we also know, the Denman Theater on Denman Street in the West End has closed its doors and will become a dollar store. Uh, additionally, the Arbutus uh, Ridge Theater, um, uh, r- managed and run by... Uh, Festival Cinemas uh, is being developed into uh, condominiums, so uh, it's not just in one place. East Van Cinemas also has closed on Commercial Drive, and um, Granville 7, again, on November 4th, 2012, closed its doors as well. So just to give you a bit of a geography of of cinema closures in the city, uh, certainly I'm stunned by it, and... um, Still trying to really understand uh, why uh, I think people are not going to films, and that's something that I'm uh, hoping to explore in the remainder of the program. So uh, with that, I just wanted to go to another article from Martha Lederman in the Globe and Mail. And in addition to not having places to catch the, lotus, lo- the, the latest films, uh, whether that be a Hollywood film, blockbuster, or an independent film, uh, art film, uh, foreign film, Um, whatever it might be. Uh, The Granville 7 uh, was also home to uh, the Vancouver International Film Festival, VIF, as well as uh, as many other um, smaller film festivals as well. And I'm just going to read from this article dated October 9th, uh, 2012, from uh, Marsha Lederman. Closing of Granville 7, a horror show for film festival. VIF director scrambling to find new venue for next year. The director of the Vancouver International Film Festival says that the show will go on despite the closing of the festival's main hub, the Empire Theatre's Granville 7 Cinema. But the festival may have to operate on a reduced scale, with fewer films and possibly a shorter schedule. Quote, the festival will go on. We're not going to close our doors, said Alan Franey on Tuesday. But the future of the festival and its viability in the downtown core is constantly a concern. The multiplex, built in the 1980s, has 2,406 seats spread over seven theaters, perfectly sized for a film festival fair. It has been home to the VIF for 11 years, playing host to the majority of the festival's 600-plus screenings over 15 days in the fall. Quote, When you have that really lovely center of gravity and the dynamism around it, it makes a pretty appealing event, said Mr. Franey. Whether we can find some magical way to create that Energy, I have my doubts about the given available venues, so that's a real loss. Further, there will be an economic impact. Mr. Franey says the Empire Chain has appreciated that VIF is a, quote, struggling nonprofit. 
and that, quote, every dollar and cent matters. He says the festival may need to reinvent itself given its new circumstances. Mr. Franey got the news on Saturday morning with the festival in full swing that the theater complex would close it close in November. He wasn't surprised. It's something the company had been talking about with the festival for a couple of years. They had an arrangement. Empire would commit in June uh, as the festival was finalizing its budget and its plans to continuing to operate the following fall during festival season. But Mr. Franey was aware that eventually the Granville 7 would close and he was preparing for that. So again, that's uh, an article uh, from Marsha Lederman uh, in the Globe and Mail from October 9th, 2012, commenting on the impact that uh, the closing of the Granville 7, uh, home to uh, the Vancouver International Film Festival, and and, uh, what that means for the festival. And uh, as I mentioned, other film festivals as well um, use that that theater, um, have used that theater in the past um, as the primary base for uh, their festival as well. So certainly uh, a significant loss. And um, with that, uh, now going into a discussion with Ray Tomland and Jason White, and they are both uh, local film critics here in Vancouver. And I caught up with them actually on the night of the screening after we had both, after we had all seen uh, The Dark Knight. I'm here with Ray Tomlin, local film critic, and we're uh, at the final showing uh, of at the Granville 7 Cinemas on Granville Street and uh, just saw The Dark Knight. And Ray, I want to just ask you to reflect on what this means with the closure of Granville 7 and uh, how this uh, maybe reflects on Vancouver. I think... The closure of the Empire Granville 7 speaks to the failure of our government federally, provincially, and municipally to value the arts and communities because we are in Canada a community of communities. Our legislators are elected to represent the interests of the people. There is a failure in the closing of the Empire Granville 7 to recognize the value of the arts and to recognize the value that a theater like the Empire Granville 7 represents for the citizens of Vancouver. In the last couple of years, we've seen the closure of neighborhood theaters like the Hollywood the Vancouver East Cinema. Uh, There is the pending closure of the Ridge next spring, and now we have the closure of the Empire Granville 7, which has for 11 years been the home of the Vancouver National Film Festival, the DOXA Documentary Festival, the Latin American Festival, and any number of other festivals during the course of the year that speak to large portions of the community. And now, those festivals, those communities, are looking for a home. The closure of the Empire Granville 7 means that those communities do not have a home anymore to screen films that inform us about what is going on in the rest of the world, the struggles of the peoples in every corner of our globe, so that people realize that the struggles that 
we are involved in in our city are the very same struggles that are occurring in every corner of our globe. Where now are we going to find those films? We're certainly not going to find them in the big corporate cinemas like the Scotiabank or any of the stadium-style seating theaters in, in the city. This represents a loss for the people of Vancouver. It represents a failure locally by our municipal government. Uh, Mia Edbrook, who is a community activist, uh, told me, and, and a member of the Coalition of Progressive Electors, was saying to me recently that she had traveled down to Portland, Oregon, and one of the aspects of the visit that most impressed her was the decision that had been made by the municipal government to preserve and work towards the preservation of local art house cinemas in every neighborhood and every community of Portland. Where is our municipal government now as one neighborhood theater after another is shuttered? Where are they in the pending closure of the Ridge Theatre. Where are they here? What are our elected representatives doing to respond to what those who have elected them want, which is a community that is responsive to their needs and a community that isn't dedicated to corporate interests and the interests of development, but is dedicated to a human-scale community that responds to the needs of families right across our city. Are, are you surprised, though, that a theater, a cinema like the Granville 7 here in downtown Vancouver, uh, Empire is saying that it's just not a viable business operation, and maybe you can make the argument that a community theater like the Ridge, uh, that in itself is perhaps harder to fill, um, but a centrally located cinema in the downtown of the city, to me, I'm a bit shocked that the idea that that isn't viable anymore. I mean, maybe you can reflect on the location and if location matters for these different uh, theaters. Oh, what makes the uh, the closure of the Empire Granville Seven I- ironic is is the state of the of the real estate market in uh, in, in Vancouver. Uh, the uh, the taxes on this site have grown astronomically in recent years with the development of the downtown core. So it became financially unfeasible for the Empire Granville 7 to, to remain open. Had the city worked with the people who own the site and the people who ran the site, which is say Empire Granville 7, to preserve this theater as a community resource, it would still be here. And the ironic part is there is no development plan for for the Empire Granville 7. The theater will close this evening on Sunday, November the 4th, and it will lay vacant. It will lie dormant 
for many, many years to come. We have the Capitol Six across the street. We have a 50-story tower across, across the street that took the place of the Capitol Six Theater at a time when the economy of the city was, was thriving. But that's not going to happen here. This is a failure of, uh, of, of our local government to, to value what is important to, to the citizens of Vancouver and all the tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands, if you include the Vancouver National Film Festival, who spend days and weeks and months of every year attending this theater. Do you think there's something to be said for what people uh, want when they go out to see a movie? Is it that the Scotiabank provides, uh, I mean, I honestly haven't been there for a long time, but do you think it provides an atmosphere and experience that people no longer feel like they get or they want when they come somewhere like the Empire Granville 7, that it's just not... it's not enough of a, you know, a luxurious experience in the way that some of these new theaters uh, perhaps seemingly provide that? Well, the, the, the new theaters aren't luxurious. <laughs> you know, in, in, in fact, they are cold. They are, you know, they, they are s- simply cement structures that, uh, that, that, have, that have theaters thrust in the, uh, in, in the middle of, of, of them. Uh, the Empire Granville 7 is, is, a, is a much more human scale cinema. It's, uh, you are much more likely to create a sense of community at a theater like the, uh, like the Empire Granville 7 than you are at, a, at, at what is almost a mausoleum like the, uh, like, like the Scotia Bank Theater. You go in there, uh, there's no sense of community inside that theater. You're not likely to speak to your neighbors on, on either side. You are separated you know, uh, by the, the stadium-style seating, and it's... Um, it's uh, it's it it is a, it is a cold experience. It's uh, you know it is that really what people want, or is it what is being given to us? I would suggest to you that that what we have here, and certainly what we had in the in the smaller community theaters, are what people really want. You want you want to be able to go to visit your local community theater. You want to have a safe place to send your children. You want to be we want a walkable city. We want to we want community theaters where that that where you know where you can cycle or walk to uh, to your local cinemas and you want that sense of community when when you walk through the doors and you want to be able to discuss uh, the movies that we've seen and and, and discuss the nature of of cinema in the city as as we are doing now. It doesn't take place at the Scotiabank or the Silver City Report or uh, or the the Silver City in, in Coquitlam. I would suggest to you it takes place here and it takes place here throughout the year when any one of a number of festivals are here and it takes place when, with, the, with, with the cinema that, uh, that they present here at much more affordable prices than the $13 and up that they're charging at the, at, at the big corporate cinemas. Here, it's, uh, it's often as, as little as, as $5.99. Mm-hmm. 
and you were here just for yeah, the inter- yeah. interview me please yeah yeah you were uh, you interviewed Ray, so please <laughs> please talk to me what's your name separate i'm jason white with jason? uh efilmcritic.com i do uh film festival uh and movie reviews and stuff so so you yeah. saw the final showing yes, here at the empire granville the, seven one of the very last shows of uh empire granville seven and this was a, a great way to send it out. We actually had the uh, the print moved from uh, into the big theater seven with a great sound system and huge screen and everything. So it's it was a great way to end the the life of this twenty uh, five year old theater. So and what do you think the closing of this theater among many others, as we were talking about the Denman, the Ridge, the Hollywood, uh, the Oak Ridge Empire Seven or Empire yeah. Theater? What does this say about Vancouver? That's a great question. Um, there's a lot of uh, things to say about that. Um, I think that there's, the way that the industry and people are now, I think people want to see movies at home, but I disagree. I think people should see movies on a big screen really loud with a great sound system. I mean, I personally had this, the, this presentation of The Dark Knight Tonight turned up very loud so we could feel the sound and the great presentation and send out the theater in style. And I was very happy that everyone here at the theater was, um, was able to do that. And, um, I, this is a theater that I've been coming to for the last at least 15 years. Uh, the last 11 years of the Vancouver film festival has been held here. And I'm very, very happy about that. Um, it's sad to see where the film festival is heading in the future, but, um, this theater itself has so much history, it has so much passion and drive into it that the fact that it's closing is a very huge personal loss to me because I love movie theaters. I love. I think people should see movies projected in a big screen in a close setting instead of at home on their on their Netflix or their <laughs> iPads or whatever. Movies should be seen really loud on a big screen, big sound system. And this theater provides that, especially Theater 7, where we watch Dark Knight tonight. And it's, uh, this was a very um, tearful, very sad kind of experience for me, because it's like, this is all over. Yeah. And um, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future for Vancouver. I mean, they could open new theaters. They could open a new theater on Granville Street or in downtown Vancouver. But right now it's anyone's guess what's going to happen with uh, Vancouver Film Fest or future film fests or future film screenings but this is a great theater I love being here so at this point uh, what are your favorite theaters around town that you will continue to patronize well my I'm from Victoria actually so I I frequent a lot of theaters in Victoria like the Odeon the Capitol the uh, the IMAX theater that they have down here but um, here it's funny, like a lot of theaters have closed. Like the Denman is closed. The uh, the Van East is closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rio was about to close, but mm-hmm. thankfully they they were saved. Um, so there are a lot of there are still a few theaters that are still kicking around. Uh, I personally love Scotiabank. I love Tinseltown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think down the line a new f- theater could open with all digital projection and programming, and I. I think a new one will open at some point in the future. I don't know when. I don't think anyone has anything planned. But there is, it, it yeah. note should be made that uh, the people who have been running the Denman for the last couple of years are reopening uh, a theater on Kingsway. It was the Raja. 
Um, yeah. Kevin yes, East, that's right. They just Kevin Eastwood, who is a, a local filmmaker and has has worked uh, in, in not only behind the cameras uh, in, in cinema, but has, has actually worked at, at theaters like this as, as a staff. Uh, suggested that uh, that they name the theater the Haida, because that was what it was called um, a long, long time ago. And I think the owners are open to that suggestion. So in the next couple of months, we are going to see a, a community theater rise. In, uh, in in Collingwood, so you know the, there there is some some hope on the on the horizon, but yeah. we are uh, and, you know and you'll see uh, a cinema complex open up in the in, in the new development at, at the bottom of Canby Street. You know when when that development is done, but you're not that's, that's a new cineplex. That's it going is up. it yeah. is, but you're not going to get the, the the same kind of community there that you get. You know, it's not to say that we are opposed to development. As Harry Rankin was wont to say, you know, those who were, who were opposed, you know, if we were opposed to development, we'd st- still all be living in caves. It's, <laughs> it's the form of development that we're talking about. It is the pace of development uh, at, uh, that is taking place in this city now, and it yeah. is the failure to reach out to the communities, to the neighborhoods, to consult with the citizens, to ask them what kind of city do they want going forward. Do they want a, a city that closes the Empire Granville Seven, that closes the Hollywood, that closes uh, the uh, the Demon Cinemas in favor of a dollar store? And do, do they want the closure of the Ridge? Do they want the closure of the uh, of the Van East? It's, uh, I think it's incumbent upon our elected officials to reach out into the community and talk about the kind of city that we want going forward. And this theater has a lot of history, too. I mean, it's very important to know that where we're standing right now is part of the original Palms Hotel, which is actually protected under historical landmark status. This, where we're standing right now, and there's part of the theater here is the old coronet which um, they incorporated when they rebuilt the center in 87. They took two of the screens, yeah. and then they opened it up into this new complex. Um, this new complex, like, even though it opened in 87, I still think it has a lot of charm, mm-hmm. a lot of originality, and a lot of spirit to it, that not just with the film festivals, but I think as a, as a normal operating theater, um, still has a lot of charm. It's mm-hmm. just it's... It's interesting how, since Empire bought the theater from Cineplex in 2005, it's interesting to see how the theater has sort of, um, how they've sort of booked the, uh, the theater mm-hmm. and how it's sort of been like a second-run theater mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe like a more art house complex. That's sort of where I wanted to see the theater go because mm-hmm. this theater is in the same booking zone as Scotiabank and um, Tinseltown, which became International Village when Cineplex bought it last year. It's interesting, interesting to see like how they could have taken this theater, and unfortunately, they didn't really do that. Like they sort of took it into a different booking direction than I th- I thought the the theater should have done. Right. In the 1990s, I was provided with the opportunity to be the programming coordinator of uh, the Plaza Theater, which was the Odeon that's next door to, uh, to the Empire Granville 7. It's now the venue. At the time that, uh, that I was appointed as the programming coordinator, I booked the films in there. They, were, they had audience of six or seven <laughs> per show. Uh, the very first film that I booked into the theater uh, back in the late 90s was a film called A Great Day in Harlem. It sold out 
every show throughout the week. It set box office records. The, uh, there was this, the second film that we booked in was a film that, uh, that was that exhibitors wouldn't show anywhere uh, across North America. It was Larry Clark's uh, first film of kids. We booked it in there, and again, it did tremendous business. And as a co- and because exhibitors checked box office on Monday morning, it got booked in the theaters across North America, mm-hmm. and it and, and 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 created the phenomenon and gave people like uh, Rosario Dawson, yeah. we know now, and Chloe Sevigny, and many of the other actors there a, a, a career. Uh, we booked in or uh, into the theater. We had a midnight series that ran for several months. Uh, of tremendous, tremendous films that we would have otherwise not gotten to see that actually had distributors in place in Canada and the midnight shows, which you can actually do downtown because they're not in neighborhoods mm-hmm. and not going to disturb neighbors, those shows sold out at yeah. midnight. So there's no question in my mind, there's an audience for film that people don't get to see. You can yeah. appeal to all. You can you can appeal to all sorts of of, of communities within Vancouver and bring them out to cinema. Jason's right. The Empire, Granville Seven, had the opportunity to do that, and and to some extent they failed us. Although they did book a lot of films here mm-hmm. that uh, that had come from from. Uh, from the Fifth Avenue Cinema and uh, and, and Tinseltown, yeah. and had some success in that regard. But it's uh, we still need. Yeah, almost every other city in North America has yeah. has as an art house cinema. Mm-hmm. We don't yeah. have an art house cinema and here. And it's not just Empire's fault, Ray. It's it's the people's fault. I think it's actually the people. I really feel the people should realize that the power of cinema, the power of Watching a movie is to see it theatrically with an audience on a big screen, really loud, <laughs> with a great like like I said, we yeah. we watched the movie very loud tonight, Dark Knight, uh, Dark Knight Rises, and the the really important thing is the shared experience of yeah. watching a movie, and I think that's really lost on our on our generation. I really wish our generation would realize that paying a ticket to see a movie and buying the popcorn and getting, you know, the butter on the popcorn and getting <laughs> the, it on Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and everything is is the the love of watching movies. And that's what I love and I which I've been trying to push but everyone wants to watch movies on their iPad or Well, we'll challenge them. Yeah, challenge them. <laughs> Say, look, go make the effort, you know, pay the babysitter if you have kids, right? Like go out and see with them. With the right films, you yeah. can make you can make it a success. You know, there was there was nothing that I enjoyed more after a screening of some film that no one else in North America wanted to play until we played it and people coming out, you know, students from UBC met the communities across the, the lower mainland coming out mm. and being in the lobby and all of us together, dozens of people talking about the film that we just seen. There's an opportunity to do that. Well, Unfortunately, we're, we're standing in a theater right, like in a theater right now, where this lobby is designed to hold 700 people. Like this, this theater, Granville Seven, holds 664 people. They don't design movie theaters like that anymore. Yeah. They have like the newer theaters, like Cineplex's Ultraviax, sort of hold a lot less people. And 
this this year when they designed it in the 80s was like well we need to put a lot of people into this theater we need to put a lot of people in here like the theater where the lobby that we're standing in is very heavily carpeted has a lot of space and everything when this theater opened i mean i I, I went to the luncheon i i came down here i interviewed him back then he had started out with uh with an 18 cinema complex in toronto this young this young whippersnapper Mm -hmm. he 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 then took over the royal center and then he decided to Mm -hmm. create uh, the, the, the cinema experience was almost dead he chose the to, microplace. He, he 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 chose to create the cinema, and it was an astounding success from the get-go. And it was full all the time. And when I was a full-time movie critic there, and got a free pass to get in, uh, <laughs> critics that want to do. It's, I came here all the time, and rarely was I here. It didn't matter what day of the week or what time of day was was the theater not full. You you need to create some excitement. Garth Rubinsky created that excitement we created that excitement so at the plaza it's the people the people need to realize people need that to realize you need to see a movie on the big screen i think they i, th- I think they do i just think that they're that it's they're not being told what resources are mm-hmm. available to yeah. them it's just like it's just i think that's like a way to watch rewatch movies i think if you're going to watch a movie for the first time you got to watch it on the big screen with a great sound system and the whole experience of seeing it with well, your... And the oohs and ahs yeah. of, of yeah. the audience. Absolutely. Well, I yeah. want to thank you. We uh, we just shared the final film at the Granville 7. Yes, we did. So there's thank still, you. And there's still a couple of movies playing here. Oh, are so there? Okay. We're, we're, we're going to pop around. in. <laughs> we're sticking around until they kick us out pretty much. Okay. Well, thank you both so much. You're welcome.
with the vast amount of changes happening in the world, it's almost impossible to get a clear picture of what's really going on. We are trapped within the logic of capitalism, leaving us unable to imagine what comes next. The Extra Environmentalist brings the perspectives of people who can see the whole picture and are ready for whatever comes our way. Tune in to The Extra Environmentalist every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM. This is the viewpoint that makes all places the same to you. Despite the fact that 8 in 10 Canadians are against warrantless and costly online spying, the government remains stubborn, set to cement this scheme into law. With their huge PR budget, they've unleashed a reckless and irresponsible campaign that suggests warrantless collection of our private data is on par with a phone book. We can't let them trick Canadians. Go to www.openmedia.ca now to find out what you can do to get involved and stop this smoke and mirrors campaign the government has started. And that was Slam Dunk off their latest release, Welcome to Miami, and the track was Runner. And that was uh, a conversation with uh, two local film critics, um, Ray Tomlin and Jason White. And you can find uh, their web pages at vanramblings.com as well as uh, efilmcritic.com. And I want to thank them both for uh, discussing what it means um, that uh, the Granville 7, um, as of November 4th, 2012, uh, closed its doors and will no longer be operating as a movie theater. And we are also reflecting in this hour on the other, on the many um, neighborhood uh, theaters and local cinemas that have closed their doors as well, and what that means um, within the city. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Um, this has been another uh, wonderful hour, and hopefully we've had a chance to really unpack um, the importance of having local cinemas and theaters uh, in the city and um what it tells us when they close their doors. So if you're listening here on CITR 101.9 FM, um, streaming at CITR.ca or on CJSF 90.1 FM, CJSF.ca, I want to thank you so much, as always. And uh, also you can find a past uh, podcast archive at thecityfm.org. Again, that's www.thecityfm.org. And there's lots of uh, exclusive web content on that site as well. So again, uh, Tuesdays, 5 to 6 p.m. here on CITR Live, and then syndicated on CJSF from uh, 10 to 11 on uh, Fridays. So uh, check out the program at those times, and uh, we're going to be back next week uh, with more critical urban discussions. And uh, if you're on CJSF, uh, stay tuned for Democracy Now! at 11, and upcoming here on CITR, uh, you've got Flex Your Head starting at 6 p.m. So again, thanks for tuning in. We're going to go out with a track uh, from Vangelis, who produced um, the soundtrack to Blade Runner. And uh, this is um, a, a quite well-known track uh, from the, the end of that film, just to recognize the importance of film and reflect on uh, one of my most meaningful uh, meaningful experiences watching film at the Granville 7 and seeing the final cut of Blade Runner um, screened at that theater. So... Again, uh, somewhat sentimental, but uh, in addition, uh, a very interesting soundtrack um, from Vangelis. So again, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week.